before we get into today's episode and continuing our action-packed summer here at Reconcinimation, we did want to acknowledge the passing of one of the uh, greats and actually in the action genre as far as directors go. Uh, Richard Donner passed away recently, and we did want to just touch on that before we start our show. So, uh, Brent and David, uh, do you guys... How do you feel about Richard Donner? Was he a big, uh, big director in your lives? I think we've all shared in some of his, uh, especially his early films. Yeah, my probably my earliest memories of watching any movies whatsoever was Superman one and two, like whatsoever. I I can't think further back than that. Um, One of my first Hollywood crushes was Margot Kidder. uh, And that movie is a is part of my brain. And uh, the Goonies were was like, that was it. That was that was the. That was me and my friend's movie uh, for so long. And, you know, of course, Lethal Weapon and all that. I have a fondness for that series. But, yeah, uh, Superman, you could you could believe a man would fly, <laughs> could fly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, along with everything else he's done, I mean, those are those are the things that really, you know, define my my early childhood uh, movie watching. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Superman's one of those movies that like you, David, first, one of the first movies I remember seeing, I mean, my huge influence in my life, uh, Christopher Reeve, Superman and Richard Donner's director was great. I mean, my son's name is Clark, you know, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Clark Kitt because of the influences of Superman and in my childhood. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you hit on it. Goonies mm-hmm. is also just a huge, huge movie from my childhood that, that, really influenced my love of film and kind of adventure and and um you know i uh i i that's like one of my top five movies of all time and so uh you know those are kind of the big ones and then there's just so many other movies you know you mentioned lethal weapon but we've done you know scrooge on on the podcast before but also uh, even smaller things that that don't get mentioned as much in his in his Canon, but Radio Flyer is another movie that I really, really enjoy, and Maverick, and uh, just a bunch, man. It's a big bummer that that he's gone, but he uh, has definitely left his thumbprint on on uh, on me for sure, and uh, you know, uh, will be missed. Yeah, uh, echoing the same thoughts as you guys. Superman, Superman, the first Superman movie was definitely one of the first movies I ever saw. I had it on on Betamax. And watched it over and over and over. And then Superman 2. Uh, and that was such a huge influential movie. And, and you can really thank uh, Marvel and, and all the big superhero movies. That really laid the blueprint of how to correctly do a superhero movie between those first two films. Uh, you can trace it all the way back to Richard Donner. And, uh, you know, The Goonies, same as you guys, such an influential movie for our age group. Uh, as long as you saw that when you were when when you were that age, it really yeah. yeah. Seeing it when you're older for the first time, I don't know if it has the same effect, but uh, well, I'm sure we'll cover the Goonies down yeah. the road. But uh, such an important special film, and and Lethal Weapon one and two, some of the best buddy cop action movies ever made. Uh, such a great uh, team of, of uh, Donner, Glover, and Gibson, and then later Joe Pesci. And uh, that was such a huge franchise. And yes, we did talk about Scrooge here. And that's uh, su- such a Bill Murray classic, but so much of that 
what works in that movie. It's not just Bill. It's the way Donner has structured that, that movie. So, uh, and just so many others, uh, you know, we were talking off air about Lady Hawk and the, the toy and some, uh, you know, the Omen, of course, such a huge mm-hmm. horror film and um, really a, an iconic director. And it, it's a, it's, um, it's a sad day here that we, when we lost him, but um, we just wanted to say thank you, Richard Donner for all the, uh, work that you've done that'll live on forever. So, uh, and with that, uh, we're going to get back to our regularly scheduled program. On June 18th, this is a magic ticket. Get ready to be transported out of the audience and into the action. Holy cow! I'm in the movie. Who the hell are you? I'm Danny Madigan. I'm a kid. This summer, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. Jack! Everybody down! And Jack Slater is the last action hero. The big ticket for 93. David, do you uh, do you still have your golden ticket? You you had a golden ticket, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I keep it safe. It's, it's in a frame. Did um did you want to talk about like on the show? Did you want to talk about that time? Like you know how we got Brent here? Didn't remember you you went you had your golden ticket. You went into this fictional reality, and and Brent was a super cop. Yeah, Brent was the the the. Well, I was a, I was a fan of Brent for years, so I was flinging really cheesy one-liners left and right, every direction. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I ha- I happened to uh, as a teen uh, to to fall into your universe with the, with the golden ticket, and I explained how the real world really works. And you uh, and I said, I think I think in the future there's going to be a thing called podcasts, and, and we should, should do, do one together. We should yeah. talk about movies, yeah. movies about movies, like movies that that you aren't in that you aren't the star of so that's right so you you know all in... this golden ticket talk people are going to think we're talking willy wonka and the chocolate factory but <laughs> it's not no. that's yeah. not where we're going with this we're not talking about willy wonka today we uh no. you know we wouldn't because it's reconsinimation's summer of action that just rolls right along here mm-hmm. we're talking about last action hero yeah it's John about McTiernan's. damn time yeah, we've we've like teased someone's it, right? talked about it at least. It's about time someone talks about it. It's about time. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the title. The elephants episode. in the room. Let's talk last action hero. <laughs> well, we've we've teased it on a couple of episodes. It's come up. We've we've mentioned it. You know, but wh- why not? Let's take a look at the movie. Nobody else is looking at it. So no, I don't. I think seven people have seen this movie. <laughs> at least they did in the theater. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, worldwide, okay. worldwide, it did okay, but we'll we'll get into that side of it. Um, All right, sorry, I stand back. Seven people saw it in the theater and liked it. And right, then, there you go. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, All right, cool. Well, uh, welcome back to another episode of Reconsinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munjack. I'm Brett Hutchins. And this is the podcast where we take a look back at some of our favorite films from the '70s, '80s, and '90s. We're checking out how they hold up here today, and. You know, I we talked about it a few weeks back in our Conan the Barbarian episode, which if you haven't heard it, you can hear it in the archives. 
at www.reconsummation.com. But we talked about how we have not had enough Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenbrauner, right. Schwarzenheimer yeah. uh, in our lives at Reconsummation. So let's it's time to change that. We did Conan, and you know what? We couldn't have a summer of action without more Arnold. So we're 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 digging out. Mm, I don't know if I'd say it's a hidden gem, but <laughs> something special here with Last Action Hero. Yeah, I wanted to do twins, but you insisted. It's true. You were you were you were outvoted. I was on the twins train. Yeah. Well, you got some, I guess, close to twins here. I mean, Devito's in both movies. <laughs> you got you got Devito and Schwarzenegger. So yeah, yeah. we'll just pivot. Well, twins will be for the holiday of humor or whatever the next <laughs> run of things is that we're gonna do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, we've had a, we've had a great summer of action here. We we started with Conan. Uh, we we did Alien Three, Once Upon a Time in the West to kick off season four, Red Dawn, Face Off, and now, sadly, concluding our summer of action. We've got last action here. We've got something special planned for for uh, August, which sadly, well, <laughs> David, you love all your great action things. Movies. All great things have got to come to an end. That's true. I think it's. I think we're running the gamut here, and I think this is a, an appropriate uh, selection for that. For, this was a summer blockbuster release um, back in ninety three, yeah, ninety two, yeah, ninety three, ninety three, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it got a lot of credit in ninety three, and and I think oh, no. uh, I think we should give it a little bit more credit now. I do think it is a movie that was probably, uh, David, you've said this before, ahead of its time, uh, and although not not a masterpiece in any way shape or form is highly entertaining oh yeah i don't think it's a i don't think it's boring at all like oh no it's not boring. it's fun it's fun it's constantly fun it's just it's just messy fun <laughs> yeah but i think the reason so i think the reason it's not boring is because we are of the age where the movies that this particular movie is uh is kind of making reference to was was right at least in my wheelhouse like mm. 80s and 90s action movies were what i loved at that at that time of my life and going and seeing this movie today and seeing it separated from when it released back in 93 which would have i don't know there had not been enough time for it to marinate being able to see it now and see the references and see the different homages it makes to, to certain directors and certain uh, action sequences in movies. Like I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's really the story of this movie is really interesting because it, it was that movie that was supposed to be huge. Like there's on the surface, yes. look at the poster. I mean, there's no reason this should not have been a huge hit that it was in, intended and built to be. And then what happened when it came out, its reputation over the years. And then now, finally, it's starting to kind of come around on people again. But uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting sort of journey this movie took. But what's uh, Brent, when did you see it for the first time? Did you catch this in the theaters or was this a, a home video for you? I wouldn't have caught it in the theaters because it would have come out the same time. So I used to go to summer camp. And I would have been at summer camp when this movie released. Uh, and I know for a fact, the first movie 
I saw when I got out of summer camp would have been Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park. I probably would have seen a couple different times. I think pretty much that summer was a complete loss to Jurassic Park. And, you know, that's that was a that was the big one. And so this one I totally missed and I'd heard just not great things. And so um, I skipped it. And I saw it, I definitely saw it when it was out on, on uh, rental, uh, rented it, watched it, was not uber impressed, didn't work for me at that time. But I think, you know, like I was saying before, I think it was just a little too close to when those movies were still kind of a, a thing and not quite yet ready to be like made a satire of. And and now with time and and, you know, probably just a change in my own personal tastes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, my appreciation for this has changed a little bit. So when you saw it though, was it like relatively near when the film came out or was yeah, it years absolutely. later? It would have been when it first came out on, on, uh, rental. So somewhere sure. by, somewhere by like late 93, early 94 ish. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I remember why it was. I was I was at the beach, well, what we call a beach in in Texas, Galveston, which is, you know, it's nice, fun, but it's. Uh, I was there, and I remember I was like chilling out in in the beach house, uh, and and kind of hanging out and watched it then. What about you, David? You see this in the theaters? It didn't make it to the theater for this one. I think part of it was the. Um... I think because it wasn't like blowing people away and like, it wasn't like a must see. It was easy enough to skip. Um, but uh, I did see it eventually probably within a year of its release. Some, at some point on rental, I remember uh, I, I stayed over at my buddy Jason's home house for, for like, you know, a weekend sleepover hanging out. Um, and it was one of a couple of movies we rented. And I remember watching it for the first time, we were just kind of like laughing and making fun of it, but like, and having like, I don't even know if we paid too much even attention to it. Um, but there was stuff about it that we like that were cool, that was cool, and there'd be stuff we were trying to like understand the like knowing what the references were and stuff like that, and the cameos and all that. So, yeah, like we, I probably saw it by the by the end of '94, um, at some by at some point but i couldn't pinpoint the exact timing but it was definitely a home video thing and then i probably saw like most of it like in the intervening years because i i do have a like more of a solid memory of certain scenes and stuff so i've definitely seen parts of it um but then i you know it's been so long and then it was um then to watch it for, for this so but i i didn't like i never always i never thought it was like really that bad but it, it certainly wasn't something that, like you know like revved you up like Terminator two or Jurassic park or like what, what the, the nineties action movies were, or, you know, spectacle blockbuster movies were becoming where like, this is like, it's like, Oh, it's kind of, it's cute. It's like that. It's like some of the old stuff, but eh, eh. so, you know, I, I always, I didn't really have anything bad to say about it. I, mm -hmm. I thought it was fine. And then, yeah, watching it again, I think I seeing it now. And I think, I, I think I have a, a, a I would always have kind things to say about this mostly. I mean, I think we're, I think we're going to have a lot of things we can point to um, as we go over it, but I don't know if like you can kind of like be too, too hard on it for it uh, based on like how it was made and, and when and all of that. It's kind of like a, 
you feel like there's probably an earnest attempt at making a fun satire of Hollywood action, but there's just probably just too many cooks in the kitchen. So, yeah. 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 I think you're I, sorry. I know you're, I know you're going to speak up here in a second, John, but I think absolutely, David, I think the, the thing with this is, is uh, too many cooks in the kitchen for sure. Way too many hands in this and, and really uh, set it up to, for failure. And I think, you know, again, watching it now, like there's a very niche audience of people who grew up at a certain time seeing like your Beverly Hills cops, your, your, uh, you know, your, any of your buddy kind of cop movies or lethal or weapons, lethal, yeah. lethal weapons, or even like the 48 hours type movies, like any of those type of type of films that this will probably land with if they went to watch it again. But I, I even, even though I've enjoyed it now in this latest like viewing, like I think that there's probably a limited audience for it, but I think anybody who sits in that wheelhouse is probably going to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, I saw it for the first time. I, I did not see it in the theaters. This was, you know, we'll talk about the whole Jurassic park side of things, but yeah. saw that in the theaters. And I remember going on a cruise with my family like the next week so i would miss this anyway by the time i got back it was the few friends that you know that had seen it like you said really didn't have anything good to say about it so i waited i saw it on pay-per-view and i i don't even think i made it through the whole movie like i was so turned off by it and was like yeah. nope i i can't believe it arnold's arnold's got a, a miss here uh because i was such a big arnold fan yeah and I did not see it again until watching it for this uh, this show, and and my opinion has greatly changed on it. So hmm. uh, we'll we'll dive in here in a sec. But do you think do you think it's really deserving of of its reputation? I mean, it has this reputation of of just being this colossal flop and failure of a movie, and I don't know. I don't. I don't, it, it had such a bad reputation for so long. I don't know if it's really, I personally don't think it's worthy of that anymore, at least. I, I get it at the time, but I don't know. How do you guys feel? Do you think it, it really warranted that that harsh of a negative reaction? I mean, I feel like, I feel like it has the benefit of that time right and like time kind of heals all wounds and i i do think that there was a lot of talk about this movie when it was coming out about um just kind of the the pro the filmmaking process for which it kind of had to go through to get made and it was you know i mean it was met at every turn uh with with problems there were several uh, different rewrites that were done. There was a lot of egos involved, a lot of executives and a lot of, you know, people concerned because there was a lot of money thrown into this thing. You know, they had really high hopes for it. Uh, and, you know, for someone, you know, and again, like I come from it from a perspective of, you know, I'm a kid who was into movies and into like, filmmaking even from a young age so like having heard those stories and you know reading about it in like entertainment weekly and those those type magazines as it's getting ready to to release you know you hear about this stuff and it's like it kind of leaves a bad taste and when you have an alternative that is you know like 
sort of groundbreaking at the time and like kind of the new darling and and putting things into motion that is going to kind of change the trajectory of how some filmmaking is done moving forward like this one just was bad timing bad publicity uh again i think probably too soon to really be able to look at it from a satirical standpoint and like step away far enough and be like oh that is that's funny you know because like i mean beverly hills cop was still like it was still happening lethal weapon was still happening like all those buddy cop movies were still being made you know i mean they were in their final iterations of of everything but you know i think you needed some time to pass to before you could go back and look at them and kind of really like find the 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 really funny stuff to, mm-hmm. to kind of pull out and make fun of yeah and and it's interesting this line that walks between the difference between a satire and a spoof because right. you look at you look at a movie like Airplane, you look at Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Dieu, those are spoofs where mm-hmm. it's, it is commenting on that, but it's completely over the top and to a ridiculous level. And it's, those movies are all brilliant. But you look at the gap, you know, Airplane was probably a good five years after the most successful disaster movies had kind of come out although they were still coming out at that point, but it was way past the uh, successful ones. Um, Hot Shots was like, what, five years after Top Gun? And then Hot Shots Part Two was that sort of commenting on what, Rambo 2 and Rambo 3? So right. it's at least, you know, yeah. five to 10 years there coming out after those. And this is like you're saying, that's a great point, Brent, that this is coming out right when those all those buddy cop movies are still happening. So it's... You don't have that time for perspective that you kind of need to let that settle in and and the points of view to change on some of those movies. So, you know, it's like and it was sort of unexpected. I mean, we'll talk about the marketing campaign, but it wasn't it wasn't from my memory. It was promoted as a straight action movie like it wasn't necessarily promoted as um, the satire that it is. So, yeah. which I'm sure, like, why would they have promoted that? They're going to just promote Arnold running around, shooting things, blowing things up. That's what he does, you know, did best at the time. So, right. um, yeah, really, really interesting. And there's so much going into the making of this movie that was a recipe for failure the whole way through. I mean, like you said, there's so many production problems and, and we're going to walk through it. Um, David, do you have any thoughts before we start getting into that? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, you know, yeah. Like in terms of it being uh, a satire, like I think it, it, like I think I, I think I knew that though. Way even back then, like because like there was that wink in the, in the trailer and stuff like that. That it was like, hey, this is an action movie, but also like we're in on this. Like we know it's we're also aware, and the characters are aware, and it's like a big joke, and we're gonna point out stuff about Hollywood and these like these tropes and all that but like it still seemed like it was going to be like this this huge thing um and uh yeah it's fascinating to like see where it's just yeah like I, as i've said in previous episodes like was it a little ahead of its time as i i think yeah the timing just like you were saying brown it's like we're we're so close to these types of movies that you know along with other pieces of the puzzle that kind of make it like that, that sort of hurt it 
it just wasn't going to work um, as a, as a completed kind of thing. So, but I, I, it's still, it, it's, it's funny how like it, like Brent, like you said, it's just like, it's fun. Like it's, it's, it's still a fun movie. I don't know. Well, uh, let's talk about how we got there and kind of see as we go through the, the pre-production process of how this recipe is coming together and why this movie is uh, facing certain doom uh, without really knowing it. You think you're funny, don't you? I know I am. I'm the famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. Schwarzenegger. Gesundheit. This is the ballad of the last action hero. Uh, the first draft of the script was written by Zach Penn and Adam Lept, uh, Lept, excuse me. They, and it was really just a straight parody of eighties action movies. It was not very fleshed out. It was your, your standard kind of first draft of a script, but that's what its Genesis was. It was going to be, I think probably mo- doing more of what hotshots did, uh, for the, you know, I guess for Top Gun, this would be doing for your lethal weapons, your diehards, uh, you know, your Beverly Hills cops. So, you know, but that's the first part. The, these guys do that draft of the script and then they're sort of out of the picture. So right away, you've got one pair of writers in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pitched around town. Uh, Sony picks it up. And I don't know if Arnold was under a deal with them at the time. But he was definitely working sort of with them. I don't know if he was under a straight contract, but uh, Arnold gets attached to it. So let's talk about Arnold. Where is Arnold in his illustrious career at this point? This is uh, development wise. This is probably 1992 at some point. So what's what's Arnold doing? You remember what Arnold was up to that, that whole year? He's the biggest biggest star than he's ever been at yeah, this point i mean absolutely t2 and in, in 91 just skyrocketed him so much e- even farther than he was that yeah was and, and there was so much promotion because the t2 arcade game was coming out which they filmed uh well not the arcade game but there was a t2 video game that was all like they filmed all they got everyone back together and filmed all this stuff for um Oh no! What not a game? It was the ride. Wasn't that was it the, the ride. ride. That was the ride at the park. But that was that was still. I think. It was, I mean, I think they were talking about how that was going to come together. But I don't. I don't think that that, was that ride later? was. I think the ride came a few years later. I'm sure it was like. I'm sure it was always like, "What about Terminator 3? What's we going to do?" Yeah. And then it was like, "Well, no." At at the park, like you're going to have a 3D immersive stunt show, like ride thing or whatever. And uh, that's like that. I think that was sort of the solution. Like that was almost that stunt show thing <laughs> or whatever was like almost canon. Cause that's the, the storyline was what he, what Cameron saw. Um, yeah. He wanted, he wanted uh, Sarah and John to go into the future to deal with the stuff. Like that was always his plan. And they, that's, I think that's what the ride's about. I never actually, I never experienced it, but I, I saw making of, of it. Yeah. And all that stuff. And it was like such act. a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. So T2, like Terminator 2, like Arnold is the biggest star in the fucking world right now. And, you know, Last Action Hero is going to be coming out soon. Yeah, I mean, and and that's, you know, look look 
back through the 80s and we've covered this is our third Arnold movie. We've covered Conan, we've covered Predator. But mm. you look at that stretch all through the 80s and yeah, into T2 and it's just hit after hit after hit. Some much bigger than others, but you know, I don't think like Raw Deal was uh, a, a giant blockbuster but was still a success and just that's a long streak of really popular successful movies. I would say, you know, we, we've talked about it before about him and Stallone being sort of one and two movie stars. Um, you know, probably Tom Cruise is up there, but, you know, they're definitely uh, two of the top movie stars in the country. And I would say after T2, that puts Arnold way ahead of Stallone. So yeah. uh, that was such a massive success. And yeah, so he's coming off of that huge tidal wave of popularity and fame and success and and creative success as well i mean to this day t2 is such a well-respected movie for all the create all the um you know technical achievements that cameron did and how kind of forward thinking he was uh and, and tailoring that for that that story as well but yeah so it's it seems like a shoe-in like this is another Arnold vehicle. There's no reason to think it's not going to sort of automatically be a hit on his yeah, name. Can't alone. miss. Yeah. Can't miss. Right. Can't miss. <laughs> done deal. Uh, so uh, Sony brings in Shane Black, our old friend Shane Black and David Arnett to, uh, to rewrite the script. And they're like all Shane Black scripts, some of which we've examined. It's, it's definitely, he's going to put some life into it and give it some character and flesh it out and really start, um, I would say, filling in sort of the gaps from the first draft. And we've talked a lot about Shane Black when we looked at Night of the Creeps, when we looked at uh, Monster Squad, uh, The Predator, and of course, the original Predator. So right. um, all those you can find in the archives at www.reconsidimation.com. Uh, so, and, and the other thing they're doing is like, they're really starting to tailor the script to Arnold specifically, not just about, you know, an action star, but now this is Arnold we're talking about. So we can start to reference some of his other things and his one liners and all the Terminator things. So, um, they're doing that. John McTiernan is hired, uh, as the director. And so if you look at that, we've got the a lot of major players from predator reuniting here uh right. and mctiernan's coming off and also a string of, of big hit movies i mean predator die hard uh medicine man hunt for red october all of those i'm not i can't remember how big of a hit medicine man was but it was sean connery when he was again at the height of his popularity so yeah uh all the rest major major movies big hits uh probably one of the biggest action directors uh at the time so seems like we're all good so far everything is um up and running and should should be having no problems but uh mctiernan wants to put his stamp on it so he wants to weigh in give his flavor so he takes uh he takes Shane Black's script and does his own rewrite to it. It's a little unclear exactly what, you know, what uh, beats can be attributed to what creative person here, but uh, there's, you know, some conflict as there can be when a director wants to jump in and rewrite a writer's script. A lot of times that doesn't sit well. So uh, pretty quickly, 
uh, after he does his rewrite, they just flat out fire Shane Black and and uh, <laughs> and David Arnott. Um, mm-hmm. So they're out, and they bring in William Goldman to do another rewrite of the script. Who's a one of the biggest screenwriters uh, probably in history, especially the amount of scripts that he does exactly this. You know, he he's known for writing uh, uh, Butch Cassidy and Princess Bride and many other things. But he also did a lot of uncredited rewrites on major, major movies. So and would just do some script doctoring and clean things up and fix things and make some tweaks. Uh, he's the one who took Charles Dance's character, the villain, and made him from just being like a real secondary character to the main villain of the movie, which is, I think, one of the strong points. <laughs> I think Charles Dance is great in this movie, but we'll kind of circle back to him. Uh, he also, on the flip side of that, is the one who took the, a older teenage character and dialed him back to a young sort of preteen character, which we're going to talk about that character and and whether that was a mistake or would have been better off leaving it as with, a, with an older character. So... Um, Several other writers come in and out and just tweaking and tailoring and tinkering and changing this and changing that. Meanwhile, this is all happening while they are up and filming and dealing with lots of standard production problems. But also, uh, you know, you had a studio in Sony who was breathing down their necks, was chiming in with their own changes. So there was never any period of stability where where the script just was what it was and they were making it. It was always changing. You have the biggest star in the world and his ego. So you have McTiernan, you've got Schwarzenegger, you've got Sony, you've got a zillion writers all weighing in trying to change things. So it's, it's not a good thing to be happening with, uh, with a big kind of tent, summer tentpole movie like this. Um, Another another thing they married themselves to is the June 18th, 1993 release date. Mm. And I think we've talked about that before when you what well, it was when we t- actually recently when we talked about Alien 3. When you lock yourself for big movies like this, when you lock yourself into a release date and don't give yourself any flexibility, if you've got problems coming along, you're going to have serious problems by the end because you need that extra time to fix it in editorial go back and shoot reshoots if you if something wasn't working and they're they're cutting yeah. themselves off from that and that was just a pure confidence that whatever this movie is it's going to work right yeah locking into a release date that's just such a gamble like and it's it's amazing that the i get why i get why it's done in, as a business as a business thing but yeah. like so you can you know you're making sure you're not going against other competitors or whatever but boy oh boy yeah. That was what a folly to like and stick with it once like well, Jurassic Park was on its way. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the yeah, that's the thing. Like, why? I mean, I feel like uh, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. But man, going even being anywhere near or in the proximity of Jurassic Park seems like it's bad business move. Well, and this is one of those examples of that you would see that that wouldn't happen in years later you know like when a big movie when men in black is coming out 
everybody backs away, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, give, just give that weekend to them or give the week surrounding that to them. Uh, so, I, and I think a lot of people learn from this that, you know, don't, they're both not going to work. So right. the audience is going to pick one or the other. And I think Sony at the time was willing to gamble that, you know, no matter what Jurassic Park is like, this is Arnold he's established and there's no reason he's not going to draw an audience. Yeah. They had an $85 million production budget, which is massive, massive for, especially for it's massive now, but it's, I mean, think about it for 90. Know, yeah. For 93, 90, 92, 93. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. Uh, and they were, and you look at some of these sequences, these action sequences, partially because it's satirical, they're really challenging because you're doing this absurd sort of over the top action. Yeah. That's also comedy. That's not easy to film, you know, the car chases and the, you know, the explosions and it, it, you know, that that's not easy to do. Yeah. It's a parody. It's like absurd action parodying absurd action. So it's gotta be taken up a notch and, you know, gotta be, you know, cranked to 11 and, you know, it's got to deliver on that. So they throw everything at it. Yeah. Yeah. Plus you're dealing with, as we'll talk about the cameos and familiar faces that pop up all over this movie, knowing what, what it takes to make a, a movie or a show when you have that level of talent, though, you can't just get those guys to come over to set. Like they all have their own schedules. All those people were major stars at the time. Yeah, so you've I mean, got availability and, and, you know, you're shooting at weird times around their schedules and uh, it's really tough. They were shooting this movie up until June 11th. What? <laughs> they were shooting. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's, that's reshoots and little pickups yeah, and things. Just something. Yeah. There was still things being shot a week before its release. That's the premiere. That's the premiere night shoot. That's what they were shooting. Is is just everybody walking into <laughs> Maybe, the theater yeah. for the premiere? <laughs> that's just, that's just wild. It's that crazy. Is, yeah, I, I can't even imagine shooting something, getting it, locking it, and then and then printing the the reels. Like, oh my god. Yeah, that's well, crazy. You look that's back crazy. at at Star, the original Star Wars movie. I mean, that movie when it was released, it was not finished. Right, right, right. It, it didn't get finished for months. I mean, that was a little bit different. It was mostly like editorial and sound things mm -hmm. that were still being adjusted. But I don't think it, it was wasn't until like November of that of 77 when the final version of that movie at the time <laughs> uh, was finally in theaters. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sony's just really doubling down. They're all in on this one. They've they've dumped a, a, a budget for marketing that was i've seen various numbers but somewhere between 20 and 30 million for the marketing campaign now yeah. do you guys remember that i remember last action hero being everywhere like video games i remember toys everywhere posters all over the place uh i i just remember being everywhere you looked was that yeah i'm sure like it was on like licensed you know you know on a box of uh or on a bag of Doritos or something, if they did it like that mm -hmm. or something like that. Like it's just last action heroes are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I, there was definitely a hype about it. I remember there being a hype, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you or recall like any specifics about it, but yeah, yeah. for sure. It, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like the, the hype train definitely would have been chugging along for this one. 
Yeah, well, and you look up you you parallel Jurassic Park, same thing. Jurassic Park was had a really good marketing campaign. They had toys, they had video games, and if this movie was gonna try to beat that, it had to you know it had to match it at every turn. So, right, but but the but Jurassic Park just also had like the stunning visuals going for it. It's like, you're yeah. going to see something you've never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. You're, Schwarzenegger's like, big, but he's not as big as a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah. to see dinosaurs, because like, think about it back then is like any of your thoughts about dinosaurs uh, in a movie is stop motion or, you know, bad costumes or yeah. all that stuff. Like no one really got to see what a, dinosaur could look like like and and move and be in an environment so it's like it was like all about the spectacle and you know that that sam neil like taking off his glasses and like staring out in the void and you're like you want to see what he's seeing yeah and and in the theater and it was going to be and it just had that like majestic quality Mm -hmm. so it it really was like no comparing like oh do you want to go see like a a, you know a, a gun cop movie uh, action thing or do you want to see jurassic park again like let's go see jurassic park again well that's a that's a really great point that you, you again comparing these movies to each other one of them is steven spielberg who we at this point certainly knew how to craft a film and a franchise yeah. and a big giant movie yeah you know this is something you've never seen before that was so exciting for people. I mean, they knew it wasn't going to look like, you know, stop motion animation. And I think there was a faith that it was going to, whatever he was doing was going to look good and, you know, completely original idea, fresh, um, you know, a a fresh storyline, you know, there was no, there were no dinosaur movies at that point. And, um, or, another Arnold action movie, another cop movie, which we've seen God so many by this point. Right. I mean, this is again, the tail end of the heyday of the buddy cop movie. So, you know, it's, it's not new. I mean, it's a new twist on it, but again, one that, yeah, it's not going to compete with groundbreaking visual stimulus. Yeah. Like, like the, like the dinosaurs. And it's, it's crazy that it's like Cameron uh, making T2 with Arnold to showcase this technology of like, let's see what we can do. Let's push the limits, you know, basically allows Jurassic Park to get made and push the limits even further. And it's Jurassic Park that kind of ruins Arnold's next movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the movie movie, if, it, if the movie was like incredible and had its own thing, I mean, the movie would have made a lot more money, but the movie relied on the tropes and the things. So, if the movie was any better, it would have done better, but it's still like Jurassic Park just makes everything look like shit in comparison yeah. <laughs> like, right. for that summer. Well, and, and we'll, we'll circle back about what happened when it came out, when we get to the box office uh, glory later on in the show, but there, there were warning signs. They, they, they were aware that there could be problems, especially as the momentum was building for Jurassic Park, uh, you know, you could feel like the the uh, excitement in in viewers that were really looking forward to that movie, and that wasn't there for Last Action Hero. So there were discussions, so with Sony, with McTiernan, with Arnold about pushing the movie 
maybe four weeks later into the summer, push it into July, push it even into August. Then entered everybody's egos and they felt like if you do that, you cut the legs out of the movie and you're telling the audience that it's not, it's not strong enough. It's not good enough. Like we can't compete with Jurassic park. So they, they buckled down and said, Nope, we're going to, we're going to go head to head, almost essentially head to head. Essentially head to head. It's so funny that but like, think of like audiences generally don't give a shit about box office or the comparison. They just want to like go to the movies and on a Friday and a Saturday after a long week, like we look at, like as movie fans we look at the industry as a whole and we've been doing it since we were kids like you know like understanding like the studios battling each other whatever what release dates and the and the media hype about the really like that's part of the marketing campaign of like getting the media to report on the release dates and yeah you know and all that and like announcing stuff but like that it's yeah like you said it's all ego like but audiences like honest to god they do not care about like oh no they pushed it this movie must suck like (laughs) like they don't care if your movie's good and they're excited they're gonna go see it so right so it's 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 yeah i think like with the egos getting in the way and like how the language of los angeles uh uh, the vocabulary of, of how we talk about films and the business of the film it's like they could they could have they could have just waited waited it out and like maybe that energy would have been there like you know what like let's like in august like let's go let's go see arnold yeah like that sounds awesome yeah. like yeah and i it mean just would have more going for it right by that point you know all the all the kids are going to have seen jurassic park three times four times you know and then they're going to be you know kind of winding down of seeing that so I don't know. Maybe it's hard to say if it would have worked if they pushed it in August. Yeah. I don't remember what else yeah. was out in August, uh, but I mean, you know, maybe that would have been enough time. Oh, all right. I'm ready to try something. Uh, all right. Arnold's got a movie. Okay. I'll check that out. It could have made another 10 million at back. You know, who knows? It could have yeah. done worse. Who knows? Yeah. But it's just, I mean, I, it's crazy. You know, coming out the weekend after or whatever, like typically, like the concern is like, okay, you don't want to go head to head in the same weekend because. You know, it's going to be big, but, you know, everybody's expecting the big push to be that opening weekend. Uh, But in certain movies, you know, Jurassic being one of them, like the story in the movie is so captivating or so kind of groundbreaking that the rewatchability is like through the roof and people want to go see it. Like you said, John, three or four different times. And when that happens, that's when you got to clear the space and you got to avoid, you know, and I mean, with the success of the book. And with there not ever having been a dinosaur movie that up to that spectacle before, like, I don't know, you, pushing might've been your best bet. Yeah. I, I don't know if avoid, it would have been- Avoid conflict. I don't, I don't know if it would have been the hit that they wanted, but I, I would think it would have made more money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I agree with that completely. I don't think it would have been the hit that they wanted, even if, even if they'd have pushed it. I mean, yeah. I think for all the other reasons that we've talked about, you know, like it's just not the right movie at the right time, like just in general. Yeah. Um, but, but to be the wrong movie at the wrong time against the right movie at the right time, you know, like you're getting your ass handed to you yeah. and, mm-hmm. and you're not even giving yourself a chance to recoup 
you know, mm-hmm. because because the rewatchability of that movie was bananas. That's I mean, I I probably saw that movie 10 times over that summer, like in all sort of platforms. Like it was like, you know, like IMAX and I mean, it's everywhere. Like it yeah. was everything that everybody was talking about that summer. Like, I don't know. I mean, you got to you got to avoid that. Oh, yeah. shit. 10 times. Brent. Got a Probably. Yeah, I do. I do. I've I, never seen a movie ten times in the theater. A, a JP problem. What's your What's your <laughs> most viewed movie in a theater? Even if it's like you know, seeing Star Wars again a bunch of times in the last twenty years or something. Like, what's your most oh, viewed boy. theater movie? Well, I mean, I used to see movies a lot more frequently when I was, you know, like didn't have yeah. adult responsibilities. Yeah, but uh, I mean, pro- Jurassic is one of them for sure. I mean, after especially now, like having, you know, like 25th anniversary edition re-release in the theater, like all that kind of stuff, like probably uh-huh. Jurassic is wow. one of them. A Braveheart was another one that I saw. I mean, I saw Braveheart, you know, a ton of times in the theater. I was a big hmm. fan at that particular moment in my life, like Braveheart spoke to me on so many different, <laughs> different so- levels. And so I saw that a ton. Holy shit. So are you, you are truly the Danny Madigan of reconsinimation. Oh, right? I, I, I mean, I don't know. The kid like, who loves movies all the time. Can't yeah, get I, enough. Got to go. I to mean, the... So they, yeah. I mean, I would, I would go to the theater, especially once I got my driver's license, like I would just live at the theater. I would go in the morning, like on, on a weekend, especially during the summer. And I would just hop from theater to theater like, cause when you would go into the theater, you could go yeah. up to the front of, of the theater, you'd get your one ticket or whatever. And you could see where all the other movies were playing and what times and all that stuff. Yep. I would sit there with the sheet of paper and I'd write it out. I'd be like, okay, from here, I'm going to bounce to here. From here, I'm going to bounce to here. I would go, like, I would just blast through movies that way. Wow. Uh, and I do like I'd, I'd, summers in high school, man. Like I, I do that. And then, if I wasn't doing that, I'd be hanging out with my buddies. I don't even know if my buddies knew that I did that all that often, but I would do, <laughs> I would go like one day out of the weekend and just like disappear and go see movies like back to back. And that right. whole like multi-feature thing is something that I used to do with my, my parents. Like we would go and see a couple movies in a day, like a double feature. Like that was just something that I really like wow. remember fondly and doing and have like carried through it. I'll still do it. I, I still do it sometimes these days but now yeah. i have like the amc a list or whatever where i get like three movies a week and it's you know so i just yeah that's easy i make it legit but i just like kind of wow. <laughs> bounce from movie to movie I love it you you're yeah oh man yeah i'm a real i got problems you're the danny madigan <laughs> no you're you're a but, fan of fan of cinema you're a fan of movies i love watching movies yeah anyway so the I, I appreciate I appreciate that on a level I can't I can't I've never been anything like that yeah wow but the, wow that's awesome it's David, an David's, David. David's tried to sneak into movies seven times and he's gotten caught every, <laughs> every time and li- just thrown out by security they grab me by my collar and the back of my belt and yep. then they just heave ho and I go flying out the door yeah I say don't yeah. come back. After after that seventh time, you you just gave up. You're like, I, I'm just gonna buy all yeah. the tickets. So. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna pay full price. <laughs> yeah, not that it's not not that you can't work around it, but now that most theaters are assigned seating, like it's yeah, it's, a, it's a different it's a different kind of deal. A whole different yeah. world now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because someone killed my favorite second cousin. That's a big, big mistake. That is what you were going to say, right? All right. Well, let's talk about the, the story itself and what's going on inside this movie and not just the making of it and the release of it and the marketing. Let's talk about the, let's get into the nitty gritty here. How did you guys feel watching it now? Do you feel like the story is straightforward or is it a little too, does it feel disjointed? It, uh, I think that I, I, the plot is easily summarized. It's just then there's just a lot more going on than you'd expect. I think it's like you could, this could be a real simple kind of like action fantasy fun thing. And then it was like, well, wait, we need, we need, we need like these action set pieces and wait, we need like the sexy blonde. And then like, we need like the commentary and then we need like the villain doing wacky shit. And like, it's like, Oh, you're stuffing it. You're just it yeah. kept stuffing and like, Oh, we need a reference here, you know, or whatever. But so it, it, it loses a bit of its charm. I, I'll say this, the cameos they all did. They didn't, they didn't blow a lot of time with the cameos. They like, you had to be looking for them, Yeah, which Some I really appreciate sure. that. Yeah. Like I was like, Holy shit. Like it just, you didn't even, you know, it was hammer that got the most, uh, the yeah. most of like, you know, a, you know, hammer. A, a or Maria, Maria Shriver. Yeah. Shriver, yeah, I mean, when I was like, Tina Turner played the mayor. That's right. Like, she yeah. just gets a line, just and she's gone. And I just yeah. love that it was like not treating any of these camos as sort of the rest of the movie is sort of like a circle. Uh, well, like a you know, it, you know. Anyway, yeah, uh, they, they didn't they didn't eat up a lot of time, and and I thought that was one of the things that works great in the movie. Yeah, is- to its credit, I love that uh, that that uh, seeing Robert Patrick again too. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. like. Sharon I mean, Stone, Sharon whatever. Stone and Robert Patrick are are probably my favorite cameos in that the yeah. no dialogue. It's literally he just walks past them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that they they had to they put them in full costume and makeup and all that just to, and I was like, I was always like, movie should have more of that. Like, it would have been great to see Brad Pitt play a waiter in the background of a scene of just some random movie. I think that'd be cool, but it'd be too distracting. You can't do yeah. that. But. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, but whatever. Like I just I like I like that part. But yeah, like I think it's just an overstuffed. It's a little bit overstuffed, right? Like a lot of concepts and fun stuff that they couldn't they couldn't figure out where to like cut it, cut it. Well, and and that's evidence of, like we said before, too many cooks in the kitchen. That everyone's got their storyline or their angle that's that keeps getting pushed. That um, they're just gonna keep going back to these beats and you know like whose story is this really is it danny's story is it you know you've got this emotional sort of backstory about a kid who's lost his dad and he's sort of lost in the world and you know all he has is his is movies that's all that he loves and he immerses himself in it you know spiritually literally and figuratively um that he's all in for that and then soon he is literally taken into that world or is it arnold's story as as jack slater you know and his the story within that world and then because it feels like once they come back to danny's reality it's still jack slater's story like it doesn't like it doesn't to me it didn't feel like it switched back to danny's story danny's still like the sidekick when they get there instead of right. you know all because it's so much arnold at that point it's twice as much arnold at that point exactly yeah <laughs> uh so i don't know it feels like this it, there's just so much going on and so many characters that 
um, you know, it, it's, it's a little overcomplicated that it just, you could have removed some of the layers and it would have been a much more cohesive story that really could have worked. The story is, it's a great idea. I mean, yeah. And I think, I, th I think that's it, right? Like David said, like the story itself, I don't know, is really all that complicated, like from a, if you just take it down to its roots and look at it from a foundational level, but you know, there's, there is a lot that they're throwing at the wall and there's, there's, you know, and it's, it's the continuity of it is all over the place uh, because, you know, just because it had to be because of so many, you know, different writers, different creative inputs, like putting things in there, all wanting to have their own thumbprint on things. And, you know, like there's different creative voices and those different creative voices come with different perspectives on stuff. And you see that in the movie, like, like kind of throughout. And, and that's, I think what makes it to your point, John, like complicated and like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a really solid continuity throughout, you know, as far as the tone and, and the storytelling are concerned. Right. Um, but, but the, the, like, just from us, like the, the elevator pitch, you know, story idea, like, yeah, it's pretty straightforward and it's interesting, but then you start throwing all this stuff in and, you know, you want to make sure you really hit like certain points and then you overdo it. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, it just becomes like kind of a mess. And I think that that does, it doesn't do it any favors. Well, and you, you've got, you know, in the Jack Slater universe, you've got this storyline of gangsters, like, you know, this whole complicated storyline of like, they're teaming up, but they're not, they're really turning on each other. But then you got Charles Dance's character who's also sort of turning on them. And well, that's the whole thing. Like why even like, why is that? Why have a Charles Dance be, be the crony and then turn the villain? Like, right why not just be the villain? You exactly. know, like, why has he got to be yeah. working for somebody else that's kind of like a parody of a gangster? You know, like, yeah. you don't need that. Like, just make him the over-the-top bad guy with the weird glass eye. You yeah, know, that's he's, good. He's the Joker to Jack Slater's Batman. Absolutely. That's all you, you needed. You didn't you need You don't need the yeah. Hawaiian shirt wearing, like, Anthony you know, Quinn. All, <laughs> all that nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, you know, and then you've got this golden ticket thing that, <laughs> oh, this is also a universe with magic. That's unexplained. It's like big. Yeah. You know, it works great and big, just magical things happen. There's no reason given or explanation or any other kind of magic that happens, but it just, it just does. It's just something and no one really bats an eye at it. No, 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 that's it, fine though. That, that yeah, you, you need that. You get, that's the through point. Like, okay, like it's just a magical ticket. Houdini gave it. Houdini, yeah, you know his reputation of being a mystical, mm -hmm. you know, enigma and all of that. Like, certainly in the '90s was. I mean, it, it carried through his career after his death, and was still per perpetuated in the '90s of just like Houdini. Like, you can yeah. attach anything to him, and it's it's magical. Yeah, I'm it's, fine with that. Like, that's if you need if if that's the conceit of like Harry Houdini had a magical ticket I'm, to I'm, enter parallel worlds cool Whatever. i'm totally fine with that too it doesn't really bother me at all the only point in which it bothers me is at when they're back with jack slater in the danny's world and nick is like wait the ticket works 
like any, yeah. and there's that whole, like, I never, you know, like that part, I was like, ah, you don't even need that. Like, don't, don't do that. Just say, you know, like it, it makes him seem dumb. And I liked that character kind of up to that point, but now I'm like, ah, you're just kind of a fool. So yeah, you had like, this for however many years and never. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just think they could have lost that line of dialogue. Not, I mean, not that it, that didn't ruin the movie for me, but I'm well, just saying like unnecessary. Yeah. As many and, things in this movie. Well, were. I think if, if, if they didn't in the beginning say like, he was like, I was afraid to use it, whether it would have been, it would have been better if he just didn't believe that it worked. Sure. And then he's like, this is what he's going to do to honor this kid who loves hundred movies. I'm going to rip this. I'm going to rip this artifact from Harry Houdini in half. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but again, whatever, but it's, uh, but yeah, like he shouldn't have been a believer or, you know, or part of the, yeah. It, that's the yeah. thing. There's these like little things that just don't make these characters quite as clean as they like yeah. could be. It's like, they have like really great elements that, that they could build on, but then they kind of, they, ch I, I just feel like at a lot, in many of the moments, they kind of cheapen everything by dumbing it down. And it's like, oh, you know, like you don't need to do that. Like you don't, like if you stripped that, those sort of moments out and you, the movie would stand up on its own a, a lot better. Mm -hmm. What, and, and, and in the internal logic of the movie, yes. why? I can only I can only suspect I was going to say why didn't the dynamite actually destroy the theater, but I guess it's because he's already gone through the screen, and the magic isn't on that side of the screen anymore. Because otherwise, it's not explained where he went. Like nobody, like right. Nick didn't know where he went, and like right. But the eternal logic of the movie would mean the dynamite should have destroyed the theater. I I had a whole like I knew this was not the case, but I had this whole side thought of like oh, what if he is dead like like he the, he dies for in the explosion from the dynamite and this is his like kind of final thought as he's dying this sort of dream <laughs> i'm like I, I know that's not the plot this is but... this is his walking towards the light yeah but exactly. like but the <laughs> why would he dream it because like the dynamite so then the magic was really real but then he doesn't actually get to experience it he just <laughs> imagines it uh but like that was something i was always like huh like why didn't the I get, but I would think it's because if you had to answer the question, it's because he's already gone through the screen mm -hmm. and he's not in the world. So therefore, right. like the dynamite, the dynamite would essentially disappear. Yeah. Well, Which, but it doesn't make sense because you don't need the ticket to come into the real world or once, once you're in the real world, you're there. So right. you destroy the ticket or not. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't know, not that it has to make sense, but like, that's really, that's a real cheap cop out of like. Yeah. You literally you had dynamite there. You can find any other reason. <laughs> and and let me just just be just to be clear, I don't have a problem with the golden ticket storyline. I was just trying to point out that that's just another layer of things going on in this movie. It's just piling on one thing after another, and there's just so much material here and so many plot points. So, I mean, I think the golden ticket's a bad plot device. Like just because anytime I think of a golden ticket, like. I can't help but think of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Like that is, that's the sacred golden ticket. Like why even, you know, like there, there had to be some, something else. Yeah. I, I, know, I, that you could have used. I, I mean, and it's not that it's not that I directly relate the two, like as soon as they say it, but it's like, 
Why even make it a golden ticket? It doesn't need to be a golden ticket. Well, it's just a ticket. I think they did they even call it gold or does it just look gold? Because like that's I mean, the, it, I mean looks I, gold. I, it looks gold. And somehow yeah. in that theater, they issue tickets that are very similar in size and color. Like <laughs> when they were trying to find the other half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. oh my god, I, I, where is it? Oh, well, yeah, they all look the same now. Like they would be little red, like you know, yeah, ticket admit, stubs. Admit one. Yeah. Admit yeah. one that you get at a county fair or any other yeah, movie theater. That's exactly the what country. it would have been at like, that theater for sure. Yeah, <laughs> not, not some giant... ornate like yeah, fancy. Yeah, yeah definitely not. And but... yeah, and there's just like we're supposed to. I don't know, like the kid. Danny is like a huge movie fan. He loves going, but like Jack Slater's his main guy, which for a 12 year old boy, fine. Like he loves that, but the only other, and then like he notices tropes about movies and stuff, but it's not like he's some like movie nerd expert. Like he knows F Murray Abraham was an Amadeus. Like, yeah. 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 Like cool. But like, that's it. He doesn't talk about any other movie stars or older movies, anything like ever. Like he doesn't, yeah. You'd think he'd just be spouting nerd like nerd movie well, shit that, all the time. That's where you need Tarantino to come in and do a rewrite and it's add true. in all the the references yeah. and the dialogue. Well, but I mean, like, it's just like the movie, like, I don't know. The other thing that got me about the movie is that even though in the movie world or Jack Slater's real world, everything is like this stereotype of action movies and stuff like that. And then Danny's world is supposed to be like the normal world. Everything in Danny's world is a stereotype of like what it is to live in the slums. It's like, oh, you can't even walk out your door without your key in there without some bad guy like locking you to your toilet or whatever. Or, you know, like, I don't know, like even even that side of it as well was was, uh, you know. And what's crazy is when we're back at the apartment, when they've come back from Slater's world, like that door is in is inside the building. Like so, when he opened the door and it was pitch black dark, that was someone who was already in the building. Like, right. not the street. Like that's not a guy walking down the sidewalk. And like, oh, so someone like this guy would be easy to track down. You'd think it's some in some level. Like who, who? And then he's gonna he's gonna just invade the house. And it's some kid at what midnight. So like, the guy's assuming the kid's alone. I mean, I know he asks, but I'm like. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a like thing to do. Like yeah. <laughs> to yeah. assume there's no adult in that place at that hour. I mean, I guess whatever. It's just like yeah. there's a lot of just convenient bullshit that like I, I don't care. I'm I, when we talk about it, you realize how much there really is, but it, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. The next thing like it's just all to get us to the next thing. Everything it doesn't yeah. uh, yeah, that's, it's the, like, that's the problem with the movie. It's just like, ah, eh, fuck it. Like, this is what happens. This is what I happens. mean, it's 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 like the cops letting Danny like just go home late at right. night after after being you know like mugged in his own apartment. No. Yeah, and it was but, super resolved by like you know it was like well eleven fifteen when he's leaving, and it's like quarter to eleven while he's leaving the police station. Yeah. What like? <laughs> It's really, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that is only there. It's a twofold purpose, I guess. It's to show that that whole scene, that home invasion thing is to show that Danny's character like has trouble, you know, when he has the opportunity to like fight back, he has trouble doing it. That's number one. And then it's to build tension for whether or not he's going to miss that screening of Jack Slater four, right? Sure. Yeah. Got to be there by midnight. 
but it was like you really didn't need that's another thing you you didn't need that you could have removed that whole thing and still gotten those beats in for yeah, whatever because reason it didn't matter yeah he when still did... got there late and when he got there late he still watched the movie right so why yeah. even do it what's exactly. the point of delaying it yeah. just have him go there have nick give him the ticket and carry on there's no and, and, and you get six pointless. minutes back you know <laughs> like yeah. when did he and then did did it circle back to him not not taking the knife like you know the, right. the, the, the uh, him standing up for himself did it circle back to that somewhere? well yeah when with uh f murray abraham when when they can when with the uh, gun and yeah with the uh, gun okay yeah, yeah. oh that's right does it there yeah. i mean the kids, it's, this kid's it's a got a connection but yeah, yeah you're right yeah the kid's got a gun he's shooting people this fucking movie's crazy 12 year old kids <laughs> got the gun Oh my God, that was so yeah. jarring. Yeah. I'll be honest. Oh like, yeah, and he's running oh. around like, get to everybody, get to, just shooting. Boom, boom, shooting yeah. in the air, like, like oh, holy boy. shit. <laughs> now, when I was 12, yeah. 13, I was essentially this kid's age more, uh, you know, we're off, I'm off by a year. But like, yeah, I would have loved to have been in an action movie and firing a gun and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Oh yeah. 100%, 100% in the buddy cop movies when they need people to get out of the way or get down. The, 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 the one air. of the buddy cops is shooting the gun in the air, telling people to get out of the way. And <laughs> get get down. down. But like, it's so jarring to see that in a movie, like to see a child with a gun, like yeah. In, yeah. A, in a playful way. It's, oh my God, like well, we were so desensitized. And let's talk about Danny's character. What is the, I have not met anybody who really likes that character. How do yeah. you guys feel? Is he, is that character likable to you? Or I'm trying to figure out what it is because- I don't, I don't hate him or anything, but like, he's just not quite the, he's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's just kind of yelling all the time and he yells a lot. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's like screaming all the time. He's like, I have to tell the audience this thing. Like, yeah, like, yeah, they did not write that character well enough. Like I just, and it totally would have worked if he was an older teen, like a, yeah. a like the, the original intention of like, a little bit because like a 17 year old would be a little more street savvy just a little more like cognizant of things and then like and like i don't know just have a better attitude to like present information making yeah. him a 12 year old kid and again after we're seeing t like t2 with arnold and another kid like it's just a yeah. bad combo mm -hmm. it's just this well, does yeah, not I'm, work if you're gonna make him a 12 year old kid i mean the kids i mean and you know like it's not that austin o'brien the kid who or the guy who played danny was necessarily a terrible actor, but no, oh, you did a good job. But, but like, I think you need someone with a little bit more weight behind the performance. You know, like there just wasn't a lot of range with yeah. with yeah. the kid at that age. Yeah, and there are other kids at that age that probably would have had or could have had more range. But you know, like to your point, David, the writing wasn't helping. At least the you know the performance was all pretty pretty one note. You know, yeah. and yeah. and you would have gotten more depth with someone a little older or a younger actor who yeah. had more more range. You know who would have been great? Maybe at a little bit different point in their career, but Jared Leto. Feldman. No, no, get what you want to get one of the Corys in there. Corey get Hain, one of the Corey, Corey yeah. Feldman. They, yeah. I, what were I, they? What were they doing at this time? It was ninety three. Uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were not twelve years old. <laughs> they, they were they were done already, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe enough. like maybe like um late very late 80s version of, like dream a little dream 
mm. you know, kind of uh, era of the Corey. Yeah. Maybe one of them. But, you know, and make him like, make Corey Haim like a video, a, you know, kid obsessed with movies, works at a video store. So you could work in more, you could really lean into the movie references and know like yeah. how he would know all of them. But, you know, it, it would make more sense. So I don't know, uh, just an idea. But I, I, I was trying to figure out like, is it Austin O'Brien I don't like? Is it the character I don't like? Is it the dialogue that's being written or how he's just, being directed by McTiernan? That's like, or a combination of all of those things or a few of them. Uh, but either way, it's the character is kind of a problem. He's so in your face. He's yelling all the time, constant explanation because yeah. it's needed. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think, I, I think, I think less is more here. I think you could have, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't think necessarily he's being so revelatory about all this stuff. Like, it's just hand holding the audience through. Mm-hmm. Movies are like this. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. All right. We got it. In but your that's... world, this is what's happening. Well, we're seeing it. You know, we can see that all the women look like this and, and yeah. everyone drives these cars and, and these, you know, shootouts and chases are like a normal thing. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's weird and like it's weird. like the shoot i guess the action sequences are kind of like in jack's world are, are kind of related like like they blew up the ice cream truck and then the guy dies by a cone in the back of the skull yeah. i is that guy cone of phrase and then right like but it's otherwise straightforward action excitement uh although you do you see the car like everything is exploding like every every yeah. you know like right like well, yeah everything explodes it's just like it doesn't take anything for it like a single bullet it explodes it doesn't matter yeah. like, well which, and that's i that's, like that i love that i thought that was part of the strong... endless endless bullets yeah yeah, yeah, yeah which all is great. those all those like action movie tropes i think they did a great job of referencing those because and then it circles back to it when in danny's world right. none of that works like oh he just shot a car like five times and it didn't blow up and he's just confused and then punching out the glass and his hand actually hurts um i I think that was great i thought that was really really funny how everything explodes some of some things weren't even touching anything and they exploded like the car was in midair and it blew up yeah (laughs) Yeah. and that that you know chase through the la river Oh, they yeah. come up, you know, they come up out of it and he's driving away. And then behind him, you just see the, the minivan like go flying in the air. And explode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's like that's almost like hot shot stuff right there. But I, I thought that was really, really funny. And I did yeah. not mind Al Lung getting killed by an ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <No. laughs> it was. Uh, yeah. Cool. Because it's like that, like the ice cream cone. It's like that one cheesy, like the cheesiest part of it, you know, in these action movies. But then like. The whole the whole sequence about the uh, the funeral for the yeah. the, the mm-hmm. fart or whatever, which is like, it's mm-hmm. fine, but like it's it, it's a, it's meant to have a mix of levity and excitement, and mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, and it does, and that's an exciting sequence. That's some crazy shit. Like mm-hmm. that's the, the 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 thank goodness the action's all really well done. Yeah. Like uh, otherwise, you're really gonna be hurting here. So I mean, but it's McTiernan, so. Yeah, well, I mean, the action is really what saves this movie from, I mean, I guess you could say it was already in disaster mode, but uh, looking at it now, like the action is, is the, the fun, watchable parts of the movie. Yeah. So, everything in Jack's, Jack's universe is 
really what I want to be watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, well, and there's a lot of great homages to other. I mean, I, I at least think they're homages. I mean, right? Like when when Arnie falls from the elevator, and it's that down shot of him going away from the camera, very mm-hmm. a la like Die Hard and and uh, Hans Gruber and all that. Yeah. Like that to me looks like a direct rip, right? So. Yep. And I think that, I mean, I, I didn't count them all, but there were a handful of them in there. Oh yeah, there's, I mean, there's a ton of specifically like Lethal Weapon and Die Hard yeah. references. So yeah. um, they're all over the place, even down to to the music cue. You know, there's like when he's on the roof, like there's specific Die Hard music cues that are being used to yep. uh, kind of subtle references. I mean, it's Michael Kamen, so um you know, that's his music. <laughs> yeah. Very easy for him to do. David, we're going to hit uh, your favorite part of the show. David Munchak presents Who's in This Movie? <laughs> QD who's music. What are, you, what are you talking about? What? Who? <laughs> it, there's a ton of people in this movie. It's there's a million people. Between between the cameos and then the, the regular cast, it's full, full cast. Uh, Charles Dance, we talked about him briefly in our Alien 3 episode. Yeah. Fantas- and, and who's been many a villain since. Uh, that role was supposedly written for Alan Rickman. Really? Uh, who turned it down, uh, seeing that the movie might... There's a little too much going on. I think, he's, yeah. I think he smelled the problem. That would have mm-hmm. been super interesting, but I, for... I'm glad Charles Dance got to play the character. He's my favorite part of the movie. I he's think. Like, fantastic. I think oh, he's yeah. amazing in this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he plays so straight, so well. He's yeah. Great. He's yeah. very good. Yeah. And he's just, he's so believable. And again, we've seen him many times as, you know, super evil villains, and you buy it every time. He's yeah. just so good at it. Yeah. Dracula! <laughs> I can get King Kong. We'll have a nightmare with Freddy Krueger. Have a surprise party for that old Hitler. Hannibal Lecter can do the catering. Anthony Quinn, kind of ridiculous, over the top. I'm not. I've never really been a huge Anthony Quinn fan. He yeah. he's always sometimes with the the classic Hollywood legends. I, I have this problem with Gregory Peck too. That they just. I see an actor performing. I don't see, like, I don't feel the character. And maybe that's blasphemy to say about somebody like Gregory Peck. And there are movies that he's really great in, but for the most part, I, I struggle. Anthony Quinn is one of those guys that, um, I don't know. I just, I never, I don't know. I don't buy what he's selling a lot of the time. Yeah. And his character here is so like ridiculous and silly. And you know, he's, you, you can see it coming a mile away that he's going to get, you know. Oh, yeah. Whacked by uh, Charles Dance. Yep. Um, Robert Prosky as Nick. Great, great character actor. Love him. We talked a lot about him in our Thief episode. Uh, but he's he's in so many movies in the 80s and 90s. And, uh, you know, sometimes as a villain, but mostly as like that friendly grandpa-like right. character. That's that's who he needs to be in all movies that I see him in. Yeah, I like him as that friendly, whimsical grandpa type. You know, yeah. like that's 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 uh, my sweet spot. Yeah, uh, Tom Noonan as the what was his character's name? He's the killer from Ripper? Jack Slater Three, the Ripper, right? Yeah, yeah. 
he's like my second favorite character in this. Like, I think yeah. I, I think he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and he <laughs> he role. looks so creepy. I mean, oh. Tom, Tom Noonan is a a legendary villain with uh, especially with Manhunter that he yeah. is. I mean, he can take creepy to a much deeper level. And yeah. so being a, such a Manhunter fan, it was easy to kind of lock into that. Like, okay, I buy it. This, Yeah, I, I'd be scared of this guy. Yeah, this guy is great. And I like in the movie that you get to see him in, in the Ripper character and as himself. Uh, but yeah, he's, I think he's awesome as that like over the top sketchy, just like, Again, the bad guys in this are all pretty awesome. Yeah, like, the, like the, the the main bad guys are pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think it was easy to make the Ripper such a, a very over the top character. Oh, yeah. work it works for that character absolutely. Whereas with Anthony Quinn, it like doesn't work. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, it's very like Cobra. Like I don't know the the he reminds me of kind of the the main villain in Cobra from yeah you know oh yeah yeah absolutely brian thompson yeah that's the yeah. guy yep uh one of my favorite characters in this movie is the lieutenant played frank, by the frank late McRae. great frank mccray who just passed away a few months ago um you know he's he's popped in a few of our our movies here but uh yeah that stereotypical character of the screaming Lieutenant of which he's played so many times. I mean, he's yeah. sort of spoofing himself. I love that. Everything he says makes no sense. <laughs> like if you listen to what he's talking about, it's like, yeah. he's like yelling about lollipops and like all sorts of just like random <laughs> shit that makes no sense at all. Yeah. 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 That was brilliant. I love that. Yeah. I love that as a choice. Uh, if that's in the script like that is fucking great. Because yeah. Watching it with captions on too, like it just show like showing the actual dialogue. Like, oh, this is really weird. This is out there. But oh he, yeah, he's so fun. And like, yeah, he keeps showing up. Like we had him on what 48, 48 hours. hours, used cars, red dawn. Yep. Uh yeah. and uh something else. he was and he was Rocky. in vacation. Oh no, he's in Rocky too. So yeah, Rocky that too. Not yeah. the original. But like, you know, so we Frank McCray, power player coming in, utility guy. Yeah, in, makes and the movie shine. And and every, every time he yells, like the glass breaking, and it's it's just it works. And he's he's done it. Uh, I'm going to come back to talking about National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One a little later, but I believe he's also the police chief or the lieutenant in that movie. If really? I, I, I might be mistaken, oh, but, it might be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so two movies about similar things, the same year, him playing essentially the same role. Yeah. Um, he got lost on set. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. We've got Mercedes rule. Who's you got a lot of Oscar level actors here, you know, between, yeah. between uh, Anthony Quinn. And I think Robert Prosky was nominated at one point. Mercedes rule as, as Danny's mother, uh, Art in Carney in his yeah. final, uh, you know, film performance. I mean, mm -hmm. legendary, actor from the honeymooners and so many yeah. great movies in the 60s and 70s and yep and then he his like death line is his final line in of his career yeah that's crazy about that Jeez. Yeah. uh and then we get bridget wilson what bridget wilson sampras who uh we talked a lot about in our mortal combat hey. episode yeah 
She's also yeah. been in a couple. That's so good. Yep. This is her first feature film role. Yes. Right? Yep. All right. Is this the big one? Yeah. It's and it's, yeah. You know, what was funny to me is that her action sequences in this movie, like, were 10 times better than her action in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah they were. absolutely. Yes, like, they were. I, I, and that's probably just a difference in your directors and your stunt editing. You know, yeah. And, and editing. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, that's, not uh, on, that's not on her in terms of like the choreography sure. of a good stunt and fight. Well, yeah. I mean, well it, the staging of it is, and then yeah, how it's cut together. I mean, if you just hold on those shots of her doing the, that leg move on Kano, like, okay, then you're seeing an actor doing, you know, yeah. at, trying to do action moves, whereas here it's like the way, yeah, way, the way it's cut together, like oh, it's, it's all fast paced and it's you're not yeah. holding on anything. So, oh yeah, yeah, but again, yeah. not on her. It's it's like it's 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 a well designed, well cut. No, that's her fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was great in this. I, yeah. Uh, I think it's I I had to go check because they make they say in the movie that this is her debut movie. Yeah. And so I was like. Oh, it's, it's like, super yeah. super meta. So I was like, "All right, I got it." Yeah, it was her first movie. Well, that's the name of the game in this movie. That sure there's is. so much meta here. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, okay, F. Murray Abraham. We talked about earlier. Uh, you got that great Amadeus kind of uh, yep. reference and parallel. I mean, he's yeah. only in like I think three scenes. Yeah, but, correct. Yeah, he's yeah. like he just shows up. Another uh, Oscar winner. Oh yeah. Um, and then Ian, Sir Ian McKellen, as as again as we mentioned earlier, as as Death from the Seventh Seal, great performance, and yeah. you know really er, early film version of Ian McKellen, which um, I don't think we saw much of him uh, really on screen at this time. He was still a pretty pretty big in the theater world, right? But it hadn't yeah. fully transitioned until ninety eight ninety nine. And like British, lots of British TV and British, like you know, TV film and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, not not really a guy who was sweeping the the U.S. yet. Yeah, so it was a pleasure to see him show up. But I forgot it was him, like playing. Death. I had yeah, I had no, I, I didn't even recognize him until he spoke, and then I was like, holy, wait, I know. Yeah, I know who that's that Magneto. Is. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wait a second, Gandalf. Gandalf is, is killing yep. people. And then we have a million either uncredited roles or straight out cameos. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The, the the Sharon Stone and the Robert Patrick things. Those are your true cameos that they don't say anything. They're just there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just pop up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you've got Tina Turner as the mayor, and I think her also her final uh, to at least to to date her final film performance. Um, Danny DeVito. For your twins yeah. reunion as what was his character that the he was the i don't animator. know i want to call him fritz the cat but it's not fritz it's like <laughs> sketch skits or i forget but yeah uh, i forget the name of the cat and yeah. i love how that character comes out of nowhere pops back up and totally <laughs> saves them <laughs> yeah, yeah of course that's how it works he plays he plays whiskers i guess whiskers, whiskers yeah, yeah. yeah. oh that's uh, hilarious i i enjoyed those scenes in the precinct which is an incredible looking movie precinct. <laughs> oh my crap. God. <laughs> Apparently that was all Shane Black. Like that was oh, yeah. like he wrote that. Yeah. 
part for sure. Yeah. Well, um, that that location is on the Sony lot and was also used in the Running Man. Uh, so, a couple of Arnold. He must he yeah. must like that spot. He but uh, yeah, I like in the precinct how when the the you know sergeant is like pairing up the officers. Yeah, and like yeah. they don't spend a lot of time on it. You just notice like how he pairs people together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's uh, and that was I think the first time we saw Danny DeVito's character. But yep, yeah, um, you know. And then you got the at the movie premiere, you get so many people, and I'm sure those were all sort of favors for Arnold coming in. Van Dam, yeah. you got Jim Belushi, you got uh, Chevy Chase, Damon Wayans. Um, you know, MC just so, Hammer, MC Hammer, Hammer Little uh, Richard, yeah, Little, Little Richard, Richard, yep, yeah, another Predator reference there because he's sings Long Long Tall Sally. That's right. Was oh, and I noticed him uh, at the at the precinct, and I I was like, but Noah Emmerich was like just in a random role. I'm just assuming that was just him in a random role. He wasn't a big deal yet, right? No, like, no, no, not till Truman Show. Okay, so that was just him act being an actor. Right? Oh, yeah, like, funny. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like one of his. It's his first film role, actually. Like, as far as he's credited, I hadn't. I hadn't looked it up. So he. Just, I was just like, oh my god, Noah Emmerich. Okay, he is. He is. To, Noah Emmerich is to this movie what Michael Shannon was to Groundhog Day. Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sh- shows up and you notice him. Uh, you get Melvin Van Peebles as one of the ambulance, uh, you know, one of the EMTs in the ambulance after Jack's been shot. Uh, I don't think he has any dialogue, but he's just there. Uh, it's, just, it's just it's just absolutely loaded with with so many people. Um, yeah. And then uh, one more. Uh, we've got a Godfather 2 uh, reference with Michael. Michael Gazzo, who played Frankie Pantangeli in Godfather 2, is the rival crime boss. Uh, that is going to be killed by a uh, uh, gas explosion. That's right. So, um, you know, uh, lots of Oscar nominated and Oscar winners, uh, you know, actors and actresses here. That's uh, just absolutely loaded. So, um, all right. One thing that st- stood out to me, like this movie, just it's maybe 20 minutes too long. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's all that Just, it's all that time wasted needing to pony up some weird, unnecessary. We might miss the movie at midnight. Yeah, story time. Yeah, this movie, yeah this, that, you're good to go. This movie shouldn't be two hours and ten minutes or whatever. No, this. no, there's no reason for that. No, um, I mean, you cut out. Look, you cut out Anthony Quinn. And that whole storyline, you just have yep. Charles dance as the villain. You cut out some other things like the the home invasion in Danny's world, um, and then make a lot of little trims elsewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. They they <clears throat> some of these sequences are just really long. Even the action sequence, the car chase sequence, it goes on for quite a while, and there's like parts to it. <laughs> yeah. So you trim some of that down. You got an hour. You know, a movie that's an hour and fifty minutes. I, I think you got a much stronger film at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think the sweet spot for any film should be an hour 48. And if you go past that, you're it's too long. <laughs> Just find something to cut. Just cut it. Cut it. If it's over an hour 48, it's not, a, it's, it's too much. If you go to an hour 50, just cut those last two minutes. Mm-hmm. You're good. Yeah. Just <laughs> slice shorten them right the credits. Out. Just yeah. shorten the credits. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So 
I'm a bigger fan. Like I mentioned, I'm a bigger fan of the Slater universe. It's just so much more fun happening. <laughs> sure. well, yeah, because those are the those are the parts that make fun all the stuff you know in the yeah. action movies that you know from from growing up, right? Like those are those yeah. are the yeah for sure the good parts. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I but you know this movie it feels like it has an identity crisis. It's like it doesn't always know what movie it wants to be that it you know is it this emotional storyline with Danny and and what's going on in his in his real world is it Jack's story is it a, a spoof and a satire is it um is it a straight out action thing like it changes its tone multiple times and again you can you can attribute that to being again too many cooks in the kitchen that uh, they're each of them are coming from a different angle and it's sort of already seeped through into the final product. And it wasn't something that got fixed in, in post. It didn't get right. smoothed out because they had such a compressed time to get this movie out that they did. It was released with a lot of kinks still in there. They did not get worked out uh, like they normally would have if you had pushed. Yeah. Yeah, this I think this movie needed to rely honestly a little bit more on the magic of of like like re, like I get it I get it's supposed to be comedic and all that but you needed a little more reverential uh it had to be a little more reverent to Hollywood and action movies like and a little like instead of being finding those moments of se of send up like you can I think you can balance that like and make it a little like lean into the magic of uh, movies or something but this is more like it's it's just like in your face like everything is in your face it's loud it's explosive and all that and like that stuff's great but like what it's trying to do it, it kind of looks like a lot of other action movies like you'd almost confuse it if you didn't realize the concept of this this film in a sense mm -hmm. like like i don't know it just it 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 it, it took it it was maybe a little too serious for itself and the which is weird because it's supposed to be satire i just think it takes things a little too seriously yeah. uh well it just beats flaw. everything over the head like it just beats everything into the into the ground you know like even as much as like the one-liners like the the wink to the one-liners except they're like pointing out that we're giving one-liners because we need right. to say one-liners, and right here is when we say one-liners. It's like, okay, 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 okay. Wait, where are you going? I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do. Yeah. Slow down. Like, yeah. Like, did anyone feel good about the rubber baby buggy bumpers moment? Like, like no. that's yeah, not that's funny. That's yeah, it's not. That, funny. Doesn't make sense at all. That uh, that would only appeal to a child that like just thinks the the that phrase is funny to hear. Like it just yeah. no audience audience are gonna be like, oh, a, a great joke. Like he would never say that. You're right. Like cringe caught it, cringe worthy. Cut it. Yeah, get it out of the movie. Yeah. Mm. Oh my god! Even the I'll be back thing. I was just like, come on, man. Yeah, like, you don't need to do this. Well, exactly. Like it's just like, uh like yeah, his some of his own one liners. Yeah. It's I mean, the, some of the straight dialogue is just the regular dialogue is tough too. Like, I'm looking for the drug dealers of the house. Like, come on, I, I don't know. There's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, there is. But there's certain moments where things kind of work. 
about the, like when Maria Schreiber tells him, like, don't you dare plug the restaurant. Yeah, don't plug the restaurant. <laughs> that was hysterical. And when he he did it, like, and it's just it's really funny. Okay. Like, there's this idea she, of Arnold is obnoxious. Like, she's work. great though. I mean, she's yeah. <laughs> You know, she's yeah. been she's not an actress. I don't think she's done any other movies or anything, but she was great in that, you know, one minute of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't mention it. And then, and then, she, and then she's she so mad at him. Like, yeah. such a, that's probably a hundred percent like actual conversation that goes mm-hmm. on. You know, oh, I bet. I bet he was sort of like, you know, what be you know, it'd be funny. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I bet I bet you that was Arnold's addition to it. Uh I loved I loved when they go in the clearly a blockbuster video oh, store yeah. and yeah. seeing all the like real movies yeah and, and, well and, and every every single one of the the women that are in there are like they're yeah. like b movie like actresses right like yeah B-movie, like, angie, everhart. Like Bob, yeah. angie everhart bobby brown like they're all just like you know if you're watching like late night like uh uh movies on hbo or or cinemax, cinemax or yep. showtime or whatever like they're the star of those <laughs> That's yeah. uh, that's a brilliant, brilliant thing to pepper that world. So that's the thing. There's a lot of care to like paint yeah. the the Slater verse really, you know, really big. I, I I like that. Well, yeah. yeah, and they've got like in in the precinct, you've got all the different types of cops. Right. You know, you've got animated. You've got Humphrey yeah. Bogart. Humphrey Bogart's yeah, like, there. That's really weird. <laughs> you've got '80s <laughs> yeah. cops. You've got futuristic like motorcycle looking cops. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody. Yeah. yeah. So it's supposed to it's supposed to be just an amalgamation of of, of movie cops, right? And right. so in like LA version of it, where mm-hmm. which is kind of a weird thing because like that's not but I guess you'd never see the maybe you wouldn't see the precinct in Jack Slater for I don't know. Like maybe you would. I well, obviously you would, right? But like would it really look why, like that in the movie? Like, why would there be a cartoon cat in Jack Slater's right? That's like a Roger Dex, Rabbit. Dex later flight. Yeah. You know, so it's like almost that. like just ho- it's just Hollywood stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it almost doesn't work. It should have just instead of being just like a, a big soup of L.A. Hollywood movie cops, at least it should have just been a consistent tone for right. You know, for him. Yeah. Like you could yeah. you could make it beautiful and crowded and all that, but then have like have a lethal weapon duo or something there yeah. or something like that or. Yeah, it's not Jack uh, well, Slater's world. It's the film. It's the movie world. Right? How like, how funny would it have been if you know when when he comes up to his second co- his his favorite second cousin's house with the groceries and those two cops are approaching, about to bust it. Like if that had been right. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Right. That would have been great. Oh, and right. then he oh, says right. like two days till retirement. You know that's right. A, yeah. I wonder There's if that, that was like the intention. I, I wonder if if uh, originally that's how Shane Black wrote that scene or something. Like, well, I would I would think it'd be that, Riggs yeah. and yeah, yeah. Understand. But this is coming out like months. There's no way they would actually do it. This is months after Lethal Weapon Three. Right? Uh, that's right. That's right. Well, so you never know in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do you how would you rank this as a uh, as a buddy uh, just a standard buddy cop movie? Yeah, I mean, is yeah, it a kind standard of... buddy cop movie? Uh, if I was going to watch a standard buddy cop movie, it'd be with two adults in it. It would be <laughs> with two adults. Wasn't there yeah. like was it like Kindergarten Cop? Like that's pretty close to Cop and a Half. Cop and a Half, like that's you know, like oh, right, right. But the, yeah, the I I think the among the other of the flaws, just 
having him being a 12 year old boy just doesn't work like yeah, i don't yeah. know i don't know just and because it's not like yeah they don't do enough that it would be like slater becomes a father figure or anything or or you know he learns something about like he, but it, he learns something about living life as a movie fan instead of like instead of living in the world as a movie fan he should be living in the real world like there's nothing there's no good arc for him yeah there's no real good arc for either character really like it's just a bunch of jokes you know yeah, there's a, yeah. there's a little bit of humanity but that's the like this movie is if you're going to do a, an adult and a kid teaming up like they need to grow <laughs> and, and I, yeah. I don't care if you're doing a satire and a send-up like make us care about the characters and it's just really hard to get behind either of them mm-hmm. um, yeah i mean it's fun no, to watch good. arnold being arnold but uh I, I guess i don't necessarily need him to grow but if the kid's there he's got it he's got to do something other than scream all the time <laughs> like that's just yeah. it like, that's the, that's a big big flaw in that, that yeah character. yeah that 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 character is really tough and it's i feel bad for the actor because he, he you know he, he took a big chunk of the heat for this movie not working and again is it is it his fault is it the writing is it the directing is it you know a, a little bit of everything probably but it's a little bit of everything yeah but that's it's unfortunate when 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 a kid gets saddled with that kind of yeah i mean that's you know know, it's tough for child actors to begin with uh, just on any project much less when you have this much of the spotlight and then it doesn't work and you're taking the the heat you know a 12 13 year old has to handle that that's a lot yeah what if you're eight years old and you play darth vader as a child same yeah yeah. i mean jake lloyd did not do well after that no he's had many many problems i mean but you know look at so many of so many child i mean even the corys who had hit movies um yeah still had so many issues but well uh, yeah but like you know the ravenous uh star wars fandom like just kind of just destroyed him like he Mm -hmm. was i i saw him being interviewed i don't know like he was 20 something and like maybe at a con or something mm-hmm. and it was a video and they they it was like some earnest question about being you know in the films or whatever and he was so like cynical and angry and like just like not he was not having he wasn't having it like and he's yeah. just like this poor guy's just been like just destroyed from trying to do a movie and i remember i remember him on jay leno either before the movie came out or right after the movie had come out and he's just, just, just charming little kid. And like new, I mean, regardless of his media training or whatever, like he just, he was a very personable, charming little kid. Like Jay Leno was like, Oh wow. Like you're, you're really cool. Like it's like, Oh, that's cool. Like he's just, and then I don't know, put like, yeah. Then the star Wars fandom destroyed him. I'm Put like him through the grinder. And that was that move. That movie was huge. It made a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he was still raked over the coals and it's just like, well, who are you really mad at? Well, like, and, and they don't blame the guy who can't write dialogue nor direct <laughs> actors. No. Yeah. Of course. Right. Don't, don't blame that dude. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's, not, I, it's yeah. not his fault that, that Jar Jar Binks was a, even a thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so luckily, our last action hero doesn't have too many Jar Jar's uh, kind of things in it. So, yeah. no. as, I guess is whoever can blame blame at least on um, on uh, the actor 
I'm yeah. blanking on him. Uh, Austin O'Brien. Austin. Uh, yeah. He O'Brien. probably deserves the least amount of of blame. There's a lot of adults that screw this movie. Up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like to blame it's it on him. to blame it on him. Like, dude, no. That's, Even Shane Black, like, not known terrible. for writing for children either. You know, yeah, writing I mean, dialogue for kids. So yeah, he's the least. He's the least responsible for why this yeah. movie is not great. Like his performance is not like great, but you know what like i'll guarantee the direction he was given was probably not that great either i think yeah so, i think he did you know. fine for what it is it's just not a well-written character it's yeah. it's, it's 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 just too much and yeah yeah whatever like a lot of mistakes were made to make this film but i think it this whole movie just got this this got too much ire back in the day. I feel like it's it was really unfair. Like this is not that terrible it, it, for all its flaws that we keep talking about. Yeah, it's really not that bad. No, <laughs> it's, no it's super entertaining. Like yeah. it's super entertaining. I watching it now. I had I had I had so much fun watching it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I was I was kind of looking forward to it because I, I had a couple other people who had you guys included who would you know been talking about this movie recently and and saying good things about it and so i was like all right you know i only watched it once i don't even remember it really i just remember not getting it not liking it but i enjoyed it i mean i had a good time watching it i watched it with my kids we were laughing like we were loling guys it was happening the whole damn way (laughs) were you lmfaoing yeah yes that opening scene with Jack Slater, when he like you yeah. see his feet walking on the roofs of the cars, yeah, and then he like takes the walkie-talkie and just crushes it. Like <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's Arnold weird. making fun of himself was uh, I I loved it. All that stuff I thought re- worked really well, and that car chase just got me. Like there was so many beats in that, and that mm-hmm. that just had me uh just in stitches i i thought it was uh hilarious so yeah see that's the that was the original intention and yeah we, it all got it all got muddied by the, the release date yeah really. well and then let's let's talk about that release now so um <laughs> so you know we talked about all the problems that they foresaw they they you know had an inkling that it w- might not go as well as they were hoping um but let's uh, let's hit the box office. So, okay, uh, the movie's got an eighty-five million dollar budget. It comes out June eighteenth, nineteen ninety-three, one week after the biggest hit of the year, Jurassic Park. Uh, it debuts at number two. Oh, so, against Jurassic Park. Uh, it's it's. <laughs> I don't think it was up against any other new releases, but sure. yeah, Jurassic Park held on to number one. Yeah. Uh, and it it raked in 15 million opening weekend Ooh. so not good uh Jurassic is still on fire and um and not only that but week two it drops to number four week three Oof. it drops to number seven hmm. so yeah um, it only brings in 50 million domestically so that's a huge loss uh in the domestic side internationally worldwide uh the worldwide total was 137 so it made its money back thank god for being it was very popular internationally so um thank god for that how many weeks was jurassic number one 
Oh, I'm not sure. I want to say, I want to say it was like five or six, something like that. I mean, it was yeah. so dominant that summer. Oh yeah. I have to take a look. Looks like three, only three weeks. Three. Okay. What, what, what knocked it out? The firm in, on July, mm. July 4th See, weekend. But there you go. So very much counter pro, not an action movie, but with yep. a big star, Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. But it gave it that three week waiting time. Yeah. Yeah. Also was... based off an extremely popular novel. Yeah. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. So, and, and then on that weekend, Jurassic Park was up to $200 million uh, <laughs> for, for the, so on its fourth weekend, it got to 200 million in 1993. Wow. Huge numbers. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, yeah, Last Action Hero ends up number 27 of 1993 <laughs> between Richard Gere's Summersby and mm-hmm. Wayne's World 2. Ah. Wayne's World so, 2 is that far down? Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> but, I mean, think about what movie we're talking about, this Arnold yeah, Schwarzenegger yeah, no. blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Couldn't, couldn't take down Richard Gere's Summersby. Summersby, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and also, you know, part of a- another hit on Arnold's ego. I mean, this is his first, uh, you know, his first flop out of all his movies since he'd become a star from, you know, starting with, I don't know if you count Pumping Iron, but starting with Conan all the way through this, everything was a hit. Um, so uh, this is his first loss. On top of that, his arch rival, Sylvester Stallone, releases two movies in 1993 both of which we've covered you can hear them in our archives at www.reconsideration.com cliffhanger and demolition man both rank ahead and are bigger hits than last action hero so about that two action movies from sly i mean it's gut punch after gut punch for arnold and and yeah, he reacted. Not a good, not a good year for Arnie. No, not at all. Uh, and and he reacted. I mean, he was, uh, he sort of panicked that his he thought for a minute his career was over. That this was, this was it. There was no way to recover from this. So, you know, John McTier- John McTiernan goes into hiding. He literally like escaped L.A. Escaped from L.A. <laughs> um, and and just kind of like blocked everybody out for a while. Um, yeah. I don't think he shows up again until what Thomas crown affair. Is it? Thomas no, crown no. Or? Here's the interesting thing. Both Arnold and McTiernan are going to, you know what? Let's go back to the well. What works best for us? Arnold turns around and says, hello, James Cameron. Let's, let's do something else together. <laughs> and, uh, huh. and, and that's true lies, which restores oh. his star status. And yeah, it's fun. Um, Another head, another, and another movie that is sort of poking fun at itself, but in a much more subtle way, and in a way that audiences yeah. accept it. Um, right. You oh, know, yeah. like Brent, you brought up that great point earlier that audiences weren't ready to to satirize the buddy yeah. cop genre yet. We're still in it. No. Nope. So, I mean, it was only three years later. Let's remember that Scream came out. And that's when satirizing things really became mm-hmm. the next new hot thing to do. So, yeah, and right. between that scream and and Tarantino being so self, you know, or referential to to other movies, yeah. that in the late '90s, then it was popular. Yep. Yeah. Here, which were not that far away, but they just weren't ready yet. Yeah. Um. And, and 
you know, Loaded Weapon 1 comes out the same year. Also, not a hit, but much, I don't know, I think it works much better as a straight spoof. You know, that's yeah. another yeah. much in the line of hot shots. Well, and that's and right. And that's, yeah, it's a different kind of, I mean, that's a complete, to me, the, the completely different. That's a straight comedy. kind of kind of vibe. Sure. And, yeah. But if it's I not- want to watch a, a movie, you know, spoofing and satirizing the the action comp, you know, action buddy cop uh, genre, I'm I'm I will watch Loaded Weapon one. I think that's actually a really funny movie. I think it, it works really well. I haven't seen it in so long. I'd love to. I don't know watch if I've ever again. seen it. Oh well, let's mark it. Let's mark it down. Sam for, Jackson and, and Emilio. Season. Emilio Estevez, Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis has a great cameo. Uh, <clears throat> it's there's William. Shatner. I'm not a huge fan of Shatner. those. Yeah, Corey Feldman I think shows up. Sort of movies in general. So uh, let's throw it down on the on the schedule for yeah. season 37. And then <laughs> I'll get around to watch. Um, John McTiernan counters uh this movie by turning back to the Die Hard franchise and oh, does true. Die Hard with a Vengeance which I think it's a lot of mixed reactions to that movie but I I'm more of a fan of it so uh okay, I like it it's pretty great yeah <laughs> I like it Die, I mean, Die Hard with a Vengeance is amazing it, it's, it's it's the second best Die Hard movie so yeah, yeah. and it's like a cl- it, it, they're pretty close yeah <laughs> I mean, there's a couple things that that don't hold up in that movie, but overall, sure. I think it, it works great. And you for got another thriller, great villain. So for an action cop thriller. Yeah, action. and it's before Sam Jackson was like, yeah, everywhere. It well, was it was like, it, it was in it was right at the beginning of where he was everywhere. Yeah, but, you know, like it was before pulp pulp had come out, but he yeah. had right. like. I think this was shot before that and it was, you know, part of yeah. is considered part of that pre pulp fiction world for Sam Jackson. But yeah. Um, so yeah. Interesting that they both turn, go back to the well between James Cameron and Die yeah, that's Hard. funny. Uh, but yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? Let, let's, let's go, go to our reconsider scale and how many, Kurt Russell mullets do you give this, back to the this Kurt one. Russell? Still one out of ten, though. Still one out of ten. How many one mullets? One out of ten. Or, or how Not many? 13? No, 13 is too confusing. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> People didn't know what to do with it. Um, Me included. Yeah, like this is like a this is a this is a hot six and a half something. Like around that. Like, but yeah. in a pot, uh, yeah, like six and a half, six point seven. I'm right there. I think Good. I'm right on 6.7 with, with David on that. Yeah. I'm going to shoot a little bit lower. I'm going to go. I'm going to go just straight six on this one because, yeah. and all that, you know, all six of those uh, mullets are for the comedy value, the, the, the satire element of it. Um, there's almost as much that kind of pushes back against the movie. But overall, I'd tip it, you know, uh, above fifty percent. So there you go. Yeah, so right. I think I'm feeling like just real generous today. Yeah, I just thought it was incredibly entertaining. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, for the for the Jack Jack uh, Slater Slater, I wanted to call him Jack Reacher. Sorry, the Jack <laughs> Slater uh, <laughs> world alone. Like, I think I give it the six seven. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, just because like all that stuff is really fun for me like going through and watching it and yeah. you know kind of um 
I mean, it brings me back to a lot of those movies as a kid. So, um, one thing that I, one more thing I'll point out that I absolutely loved was uh, Hamlet. Oh, yeah, yeah that was b- brilliant. <laughs> I just love to be or not to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and he pulls, <laughs> he pulls out machine guns and shit. Oh God, beautiful. Uh, gee, yeah, that that was genius. That was. That, I, I thought that was like almost as good as the Tropic Thunder movie previews. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's another one. I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Well, that's that's got some other Just other things, things going that, on. Yeah, don't, yeah. They don't work anymore. Yeah. But uh, or did they ever? But this was fun. It was fun to look back um, at a movie that I, I don't think any of us had really seen uh, recently, uh, leading up to this. So. Yeah, um, it was, and 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 again, this is this is the kind of movie we try to look at here on this show. That you know, what was the reaction when it came out then? What's the reaction to it now? And it's, uh, I think it's changed. You know, I think I think more people are enjoying this movie, but the flaws are still there. You can still see it, but you're more accepting of it now, um, yeah. and you just understand maybe why. <laughs> it wasn't working and why it wouldn't have worked um, in 93. So yeah, um, yeah, I had fun looking at this one. So uh, speaking of fun, I'm just teasing again. Stay tuned, everybody. We've got some really fun episodes coming up in August. Uh, You're, you you can't even guess what it is, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. So, and then there's a special date coming up in a few weeks. That's one of David's favorite days of the year. It might fall on a Friday. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. The fifth installment. Fifth Already. installment coming, yeah. coming yeah. soon. So the, we'll be, the best. We'll be through we'll be the best of the best. It will literally be a new beginning. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, um, Which, uh, this was the bad. That's the bad one, right? <laughs> Is there a bad one? I don't think so. Is that the, was that the one I leaned over to you, Brent? And said, Why yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was it. <laughs> yeah, no. You're like, what are we doing here? Yeah. So uh, I noticed that Jason X, I think, is streaming on Prime right now. Ooh, let's go. Yeah, go. Go back and watch that that's, one again. Uh, talk about another fun satire. Uh, that's <laughs> it right there. That one's great. Um, I want to say a quick shout out and thank you to some of our friends, Curtis Moore for the poster, always just hitting home runs every, every week for us. So, uh, thank you, sir. And, uh, EK Wimmer, the brand new theme music that I'm loving. We're getting so much good feedback on that. Uh, thank you to him and check out his podcast, laser graves, anywhere you listen to podcasts and don't forget to check us out on social media. We're at reconsummation podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, find our archives at reconsummation.com and uh, drop us a line. Let us know if uh, we've been getting so much feedback from you guys about what you want to, what you want to see, how you thought our episodes have been. We got some feedback on red Dawn, which was great. Uh, uh, Once upon a time in the West. So thank you guys. And we always love hearing from you. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to be back soon with our next episode and we will see you next time on reconsummation. Take care. Bye now.
Hey, Claudius. You killed my father. Big mistake. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. And Hamlet is taking out the trash. Stay thy hand, fair prince. Who said I'm fair? No one's going to tell this sweet prince good night. To be or not to be. Not to be.